Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EVCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. On this tired yet glorious Tuesday morning. Obviously, Cajuns. If you have not heard, one last night, uh, it wasn't easy. The game was the the game the third game, and and look, this is not an unusual occurrence. Like some, we all do it way too often. We because you beat somebody in a certain way, you act. We, we, when we do analysis sometimes, we're like, well, that's who they are. Well, games are different. I mean, uh, this game was probably more like the first game than the second game, but still it was very different than, than the game. Teams change. Like, they change their approaches. Especially in basketball. Yeah, it's just – you just don't know what, what, what you're about to face. Now – we kept waiting for, but even like in baseball, I mean, two teams can play two different days and it'd be two totally different games. I mean, it's just, but, you know, we kept waiting for Texas State to just fatigue and get tired out. And it never happened. Like, I don't know why Texas State didn't just fatigue out down the stretch. They really didn't, you know. Um, but last night I, I I thought, and they even admitted it after the game that South Alabama they got a little tired. Uh, at the end, I think playing the extra game and all the energy it took to get to that point kind of kind of caught up with them a little bit in in the final minutes. And and the Cajuns needed that advantage because you know Greg, we found out that Greg had. Her- Injured himself the night before. Uh, he played a little bit in the first half, and then he didn't play at all in the second half. And um, you know, so you didn't you didn't have your second leading scorer, and some other guys were not having the best of nights. And, and the coaching staff just kind of said, "Okay, we're going to go with this five. They subbed out a little bit with Terrence. Uh, either Terrence and Joe or Terrence for De- uh, uh, Jordan a few times. Um, so, but the bottom line is they got it done. I mean, we can, and it, it, they got it done against South Alabama. Um, and look, in the first half, it didn't look that great. But, you know, when they came out, they were, South Alabama was attacking the basket and it was looking like the Cajuns, really didn't have an answer. But when it got to half and you're down, you didn't score in the last three minutes of the first half, 
and you're down four, and the other team was shooting like 73%, and then they finished, you know, they were shooting over 60% at the half, you're like, hmm, not a good scenario for them. Just seems like they're not going to be able to keep up that kind of shooting, and, and they didn't, so uh, it, it, it worked out. Yeah, and that's that's what I already kind of said, but I texted some friends this at the time. When you got to half and the dust had settled and they're shooting 63% and they're only up four, and UL, you're only at a four-point deficit, you probably felt pretty good. That's what had me feeling better in the second half. It didn't feel like – and not only was South Alabama playing well offensively, they were also – I mean, they were getting every bounce and every roll in the first half, um, and you figured that wouldn't necessarily keep up, and that was right. They came out a little bit cold shooting, which is good because – it's not like UL came out firing offensively. They struggled no. a bit in the beginning of the second half, but then they finally got it, and luckily South Alabama missed some shots, some good looks too, and then UL finally kind of figured some things out offensively. Themis decided he was going to kind of take over the game a little bit offensively, which we haven't seen too much of this season. We've seen him do that maybe two or three times this year where he just decided, and without, without Greg, it feels like maybe that's the push that he needed to go, okay, i got to take over. And he did. He was fantastic. Yeah, you know, he he is not he has been kind of struggling down the stretch offensively. Um but he was you know, early in the year in the first half of conference play when he would penetrate, he was finishing seemed like the vast majority of the time. He hasn't been finishing lately. Um he's been missing a lot of drives. And last night you know, they made it pretty obvious. Um, we commented early on, and I tweeted out early on. I'm like, they, you know, there's going to be opportunities for guys on the perimeter to to make shots here, and they're going to give you that opportunity. And it, the way they play defense, and look, I don't blame them. Like, if you've been watching the Cajuns play, I, I can't criticize the strategy that South Alabama came up. Okay, we're going to make folks beat us. I, You know, I don't have a serious problem with that strategy because he hasn't been shooting it well, uh, and he hasn't been finishing like he was early. And what's funny, too, and, and I said this at the time of the first, or not the first, this, the last South Alabama game, it was in the regular season, that I wonder if they played them a little bit differently with the idea that they might play them in the tournament. And that was really for, you know, looking with foresight, and I don't know if Richie Riley actually did that at all. But in that game, they basically let Jordan Brown beat them. They tried. To, they, they said, Kevin Samuel, go one-on-one. We think you're big, you know, the big man in the middle who can handle him. And they got burned. So they, they completely changed that approach, which is what I expected them to do. They weren't going to let Jordan Brown beat him again because he already beat him the first time, and they didn't. Jordan... I didn't think he played perfectly in that first half with some of the double teams, but he did make a couple really nice passes. Themis still turned it over some, which, you know, at this point is going to happen with him. But luckily they uh, they did enough defensively. And in the second half, they didn't allow a three-point shot at all. And, you know, they did a, the Cajuns did a great job of keeping um, South Alabama's three-point game which has been devastating. Now they hit some threes in the first half, but they, you know, they did a great job of defending the red hot three point shooter. And it was, um, it, it was, it was good. It was, you know, it was just good to win. It, it didn't matter how it happened. I mean, we can analyze the game and the people want to, um, certainly, 
feel free to call and we can talk about the strategy of the game or whatever. But uh, the bottom line is they they they, they got it done. The uh, it it worked out. You kind of had a feeling all year that this was their year, but then you know even though you have that feeling in the back of your mind. You know, you, they went through a little bit of a slump there, and they fell to, like, third place for a while, and you didn't know for sure if they were going to finish in the top four, and then they did, and, uh, you know, you just you just don't know what's going to happen, but uh, it, it worked out. Yeah, and I, I kind of already sung Bob Marlon's praises in the first show a lot, but I just, I'm, I'm so happy for him, too, because of a lot of the doubt, and again, I also kind of already talked about how I, I feel like a lot of that was really unnecessary in the the pressure that certainly some of the fan base was putting on them to make a change there I didn't think was warranted, and I felt like Bob deserved this year, and then he delivered. Um, now, I will say one thing that I want to bring up to you, I'm not sure how you feel about it, that I disagree with the way Bob coached that game at the end, is I would not have let them get that shot off at the end. With that kid, the, the long-haired kid who took the three, Owen White, who is a great three-point shooter, I'm fouling every single time in that situation. And South Alabama gave you a chance to foul because they didn't. Sometimes you'll see a team know that the opponent's going to maybe foul and they'll get up and kind of rush a three. Yeah. They kind of set up their offense. You had like five or six seconds, and you had a chance to foul them at the top of the key and give them two free throws. UL plays it out, and it rattles out. But I, I've seen that burn too many teams. I think your percentages go up if you foul them, send them to the line. They can only score two points on the possession. Uh, well... I agree, unless they obviously do the whole miss free throw thing. But Bob has always kind of been a you know if we're if we're shutting you down, I'm gonna ride the trend that we're shutting you down, kind of, and, and, and continue to ride that to the end. It seemed like he's made that decision before. I don't, I don't think fouling is something every coach does every time, but I, I would have been fine with it certainly. Um, it happened uh, in one of the women's games during the tournament. They utilized that strategy of fouling, and, and it worked. And, and I think it would have worked probably in this situation as well. But Yeah, and you see that in the NBA sometimes. What makes it even more effective in college basketball is, of course, that you can't advance the basketball on a timeout or anything like that. So you have to think, even if you get fouled, go back to the line or whatever the situation is, when the opposing team goes to inbound it, they still have to go the length of the court. So that's why I thought in that situation they'd have – They'd have had a chance to foul him with, I think, around six or seven seconds left. Then what, you know, as long as, yeah, you'd mentioned. Now, maybe South Alabama would have went to try get your own rebound strategy, which, you know, that's pretty tough to pull off. But if they don't, they just make the two free throws. You're inbounding to UL. You're figuring at least a second goes off. Now you're talking about four or five seconds. So you go back down. Now their best case scenario is trying to rush a three within four seconds. So that's why I like the approach. And, again, UL has the guys. We talked about the – we were kind of spot on with our approach about the free throws, right? Everybody who wasn't Jordan Brown was perfect at the line last night. Jordan missed three out of his four. Luckily, he didn't go to the line in a do-or-die situation, but he did miss a couple big ones. But everybody else who walked up to the line, Terrence Lewis walked up and just looked like there was no doubt in his mind when he made those. You two. know, we've been saying free throws was gonna could make a difference at the end, and it did. It just worked out in the Cajuns' favor because South Alabama missed quite a few free throws and, and some key free throws, so... Um, you know, Jordan missed a one and one kind of towards the end of the game. That was a little, uh, but, um, but no, the, the, the free throw line ended up hurting South Alabama more than it hurt the Cajuns. So that was that, 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 you know, that was good for UL's cause for sure. Yeah. And, and that could be a little misleading because most of their missed free throws were by Samuel, who is obviously just a horrible free throw shooter. And they knew that coming in, but I thought it was. It was huge, too, when Richards gets the flagrant two, 
They go to the line. They had two shots in the ball, a chance to, and you're only up by two when that happens. Samuel misses both free throws, and then South Alabama misses a pretty good, easy-looking layup. So it could have been four points their way. It ends up being none. You keep the lead, and I thought that was big because that kind of kept your momentum going. When that could have been a turning point when that when that flagrant two was called. Yes, it it, it could have been. And so um, now you're like, you know, this is the advantage I think, or the or the plus side of holding a tournament early because now you get to enjoy this all week. Because so often, if you you know used to the. Cajuns were in a conference where they played that final game on that Sunday and you just, you know, you play it and then you're, you know, you don't really get, and you celebrate, but you don't really get to relish it. So now they get to relish it all week and uh, start, you know, I, I just, I just, I guess I haven't paid close attention enough to know what any of this speculation means, but to me, it's, you know, I don't think guessing that the Cajuns are going to be a 13 or guessing they're going to be a 14 is, you know, that's a pretty educated guess. But where they're going to go and who they're going to play, I mean, that's just, that's just you know, a total guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the more important thing to keep an eye on is that seed line just because, as I kind of already teased, and I'm going to try and get some actual numbers on it, your percentages, and again, it, it makes sense. When you're playing as a 14 seed, you're playing sometimes a top 10 team, right? You're playing that top. When you get down to a 13 and especially a 12, you're playing more of a middle-of-the-pack back end of the top 25 team, and those teams are very beatable for a team like UL. So if they're able to hopefully, you hope, hope a couple surprises happen in some of these other conference tournaments that knock some of the teams that would currently be seated as like a 12 or a 13 down, and I think if UL gets up to a 13, it would take a lot for them to get to a 12. But if they got to a 12, history tells us as a 12 seed, you almost got a toss-up chance to beat a 5. Yeah, that that would be – I mean, it'd be great, but I would be pretty surprised if they got that high. But, uh, no, look, it's it's just tremendous to, to be back in the NCAA tournament. And the important thing now is that Greg Williams and the Coach Marlin kind of described it as turf toe. He was stepped on and – uh, you know, we've seen turf toe last a long time uh, and be a lingering, nagging injury. And so that's another great thing about having an early tournament. So now they have a week and a half to hold him, hopefully get him healthy. Um, you know, he's been your second leading scorer. And there was a stretch there early in conference where he was for three or four game stretch was probably your your best scorer and your best option there. So kind of kind of kind of scary there. We'll take a time out and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. Once again, the game hotline is 337 706 0111. 337 706 0111. All right. I want to play a little game here, ask a little question. 
I'm going to use two isolated years from Nolan Ryan's career. So you tell me which season is better. No, which season did Nolan Ryan pitch better in? You ready? All right. In 1979, Nolan Ryan was 16 and 14 with a 3.60 ERA. Eight years later in 1987, Nolan Ryan was 8 and 16 with a 2.76 ERA. Which year did he pitch better? Was it the year he won 16 games? Or was it the year he won half that many and lost 16 games? Well, I would have to have a little more context to make a full decision, but I would go with the ERA year because win-loss records for pitchers are largely contingent on their teams around them. And why is that? What do you mean? Why isn't contingent? So you're trying to go with the quarterback thing here, aren't you? Why is it that? Well, it's because... It's a team game, and it's just unbelievable to me. Like, how many, I mean, you you hear all of these. Why is there a perception out there that Derek Carr is this bad, mediocre quarterback? You know, I get it. I get what you're saying. I I do think um, the quarterback position, I still, yeah, quarterback wins are not a quarterback stat. I know that that's, and I agree with that. I do think the quarterback has more impact on his team's performance than a starting pitcher does just because, as you like to say, it's a leadership position, so it extends past it. But, yeah, you can be an extremely talented quarterback who plays really well and lose a lot of games. Drew Brees did it. See, I disagree. I think the – now, a quarterback plays every game. Right. So – there's no question that as an individual, the quarterback has a bigger impact because he plays every day and pitchers typically, you know, play one out of every five days. Talking about starting pitchers. But in the, in, I mean, a pitcher needs his fielders to make plays, but a pitcher has more, much more control of an individual game than a quarterback does, in my opinion. He is. He he can a pitcher can completely dominate a game. A quarterback cannot do that unless, you know, you know. I mean, unless you know, unless the team just can't catch fly balls or you can't just you know make routine plays. Yeah, or I mean, you know, you can have a game where a couple of bloop singles fall and it's really not your fault. But yeah, I guess in an individual approach, you you can say more about that. But the other thing too is the pitcher has no control, which. You know, I guess you are making a good point because the quarterback doesn't have any control over his defense. Pitcher has no control over his run support. I guess when pitchers no, 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 used to no, hit. No, 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 no. Remember that that's not what America thinks. <laughs> America thinks the quarterback plays defense and he kicks field goals, and he punts, and he plays special teams, and he calls plays, and he calls plays. Quarterback does all that. Now stuff. they do sometimes call plays, but. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I'm not on the other side of the fence on this. With it just you. amazes me. And, and, and again, does that mean that Derek Carr is going to come to New Orleans and play great? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it means is all these people that are saying that he's this mediocre quarterback 
And I've even heard some people say he's a bad quarterback. They're basing that totally on his win on his win loss percentage for his team, and 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 they're just like they just. I mean, it's it's not having any understanding at all of team sport, like just none. It's like not even forget about putting it through a filter. Like they don't even know that whole mentality doesn't even know that filters exist. So I, depending on your definition of the word mediocre, I could understand. I think there can be an argument made that that says Derek Carr has been a mediocre quarterback for the past few years. I do. I do think that's fair. Now to call him like lower third in the league, I, I disagree with that completely. But I would say because I th- I think of mediocre as being like middle of the pack, and I think he has been middle of the pack. But I would also say that he has had year, and this is com- something I touched on in RP three. If we get the upper end of what Derek Carr has been. He's had years where he's been a top 10 quarterback. And, you know, an exercise I like to do when you're taking a look at a quarterback's career. Take, like th- two and three years ago, he was a top Right, 10 yeah, and it's not, like, it's not like it was 10 years ago. Take away, if you're looking at evaluating a quarterback specifically, and it, this happens, this is a great thing to do for baseball players. If they have a more than five-year sample size, take away their best year and take away their worst year. Now you get a good idea what the player is. And I think that's, a, that's the case with Derek Carr. You take away his best year, you take away his worst year, and look at what you have, and I think you have a guy who's between 10 and 14 in, as far as quarterback rankings. But which that's is, not mediocre. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying if people wanted to use the argument that the past couple years he's been mediocre, I wouldn't say that that's a ridiculous notion. But why do they think he's mediocre? A lot of it's probably because of the teams he's played on. He's right. shown some deficiencies as well, though. But but again, I'm more the on your side. Thing I, the only thing the thing that concerns me the most about Derek Carr, and again, I don't watch enough Raiders football to know how many of these are his fault, but his fumbling is what worries me the most. Um he 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 has fumbled a lot and more than he should. So again, I don't Yeah. I haven't watched enough Raider football to know why that is, but he has fumbled too much. Well, and there was also some concerns that got brought up recently about his ability to take hits in the pocket and some people calling out his toughness and things like that. I'm not sure how I feel about all those things. And again, yeah, I'd be with you. I haven't watched enough game film of Raiders games. And I mean, I'm sure I'll uh, start watching a little bit now here in the offseason trying to kind of see what we're going to have with it. But I've watched him play a good amount and I I haven't sensed that that's been more of a huge issue. The, The biggest thing too to me is that I think he's shown you if you have, A, if you give him time to throw, which his Raiders career I think was pretty up and down with his offensive line play. They had a couple years where they were pretty good. They had a couple years where they were pretty bad. Um, I think if you give him time to throw and you put decent receivers around him, he showed you he's going to be better than average, and that's what the Saints wanted, and that's what they got. The other thing that's going to come up around this is about what they paid to get him. But again, I think that that's something – when people say someone overpaid – you see it a little bit more in baseball because the contracts are unlimited, but like in football, the market gets reset almost every year on quarterbacks. So like, let's wait and see what Daniel Jones gets. We saw what Geno got; it wasn't much less, right? And from a year-to-year basis, based on the guaranteed money, it might end up being more. So let's see what Daniel Jones and some of those other quarterbacks that we think are in the same tier as Carr get, and then we can talk about whether the Saints overpaid or not. Um, what is Daniel Jones going to get? They're saying forty or more. Right, so that that would put you right in the same boat, which I would I would put Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. I would actually probably take Carr over Jones. I've had a little bit bigger sample size. That matters more to me than some people. 
I would take Carr over Jones, and Jones is probably going to get basically the same amount of money, if not more. So that's why I say let's not rush to say the Saints overpaid here because the quarterback market is he base also he basically got the, the he got a very similar deal to Kirk Cousins, and I think he is a very comparable quarterback to Kirk Cousins. I think we'll see if he's able to outperform him, but that's that's the market for a guy like Derek Carr. That's what it's going to be. And like Kirk Cousins, a lot of people when they lost to the Giants was again critical of Kirk Cousins. Well, if if your defense can't stop anyone, how is that the quarterback's fault? Like, Patrick Mahomes' defense stopped people, and he won 23-20, to but if you lose 44-23, to somehow the quarterback played worse. No, his defense was awful. Like, they couldn't stop anyone. I mean, I mean, it's just amazing to me how people, two people got one team, one quarter, one uh, quarterback's offense scores twenty three points and wins twenty three seventeen. He did a great job. The other team they lost forty four twenty three. Man, that quarterback's terrible. That quarterback's terrible. And they might have played the exact same game, and and people can't. They it, it just they cannot do it. It's just unbelievable to me. And again, it's not even I I I I don't it's not it's not about predicting. It's about being that it's it's about the way that we analyze things. It just drives me bonkers that people after all these years of watching sports are still that clueless. They just they just cannot put anything through a filter. Nothing. Now again, if your argument is, look, I, he's coming here. I, I'm not sure about uh, the play caller. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to ever have uh, any healthy receivers. Uh, I don't know. Again, all of those would be legitimate questions. But to but to say, well, he's mediocre his whole career because his team didn't win only one X amount of game. I mean, that's just. I think I just think that's not a good argument. I mean, you, you you got now. If you're a Raider fan and you say, "Well, I, I I've watched the Raider, I've watched every Raider game, uh, and he fumbles too much, or he fumbles at the big times," or it, again, those are legitimate points of analysis. Not just, well, look at his his team has won X amount of playoff games or X amount of games, and therefore he's bad because. Quarter because the game of football is a game of horse between quarter. I mean that's just it just it just infuriates me that people can't have more of a mind understanding of sports. All right, we'll take a timeout. Be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111 on this 
Tuesday. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Hello. Hello, you there? Yes, sir. Good morning. Before we talk car, uh, I agree with y'all. I can't believe they let that kid get the shot off in the Cajun game, but equally impressive. I thought coaches substitute for Brown just before that, that last inbound, I thought kind of made up for the what I consider a mistake, letting the guy get the shot off. But hats off to the Cajuns. That was basically a home game for South Alabama. And, uh, again, that South Alabama brought everything they had, and the Cajuns just weathered the storm. So, I'm, it's just like you said, it, I'm happy for Marlon. I just think he's come under fire. And I, 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 I think our coaches sometimes are underappreciated unless they just lights out every year. And I'm happy for him and the kids. So, that being said, Carr is mediocre, not because of win-losses. He's just a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, Kevin. And I look at different stats. I look at game-winning drives. I look at not only interceptions, but when you threw the interceptions. And the majority of interceptions come in the fourth quarter. That's not a good thing. So there, And he fumbles too much, and the word around the league is what you said. If you get pressure on him, he has a tendency to get happy feet. And there was a game where the guy said he was in the fetal position and there was nobody within five feet of him. He just felt the pressure and he caved. So, I, I, and I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's an upgrade to what we had. So, I'm not disappointed, but I, I'm not acting like we just signed Joe Montana. And everybody's, some people but, running but, but around again, like the car who, was. I mean, who thinks they signed Joe Montana? Well, first of all, I'd rather have oh, anybody but people, Joe Montana. But Some people were acting like it's, uh, you know, cars available, we got to get them, and, and it's going to solve all our problems. And I'm like, it's, again, it shows you how important the quarterback position is. And you said it's a team game. Well, I can throw that in your face and say if it's a team game, then why were you so worried about signing a new quarterback and hate Crawford so much? Because all Crawfish did was back up and take sacks. But even with having Crawfish, all you got to do is make field goals and not fumble, and you win 10 games and you win the division. Right. So why is getting cars so important? Because it gives you stability at quarterback. Like, if if you could, could they win the division and win double-digit games with Crawfish at quarterback next year? Yes, I believe they could. But then you got an old quarterback, and you got to go through this again all of next year. Like, you, you just got – you just need stability at the position. I, I don't want to, you know, this – you know, every year, are they going to draft a rookie? or You don't want to be in that quarterback stuff. And we normally don't play that game. We've always pretty much had free agents. I was just surprised at what happened to Winston. Where did it go south for Winston all of a sudden? You know, he got hurt and never got another chance, and that was kind of disappointing to me, especially late in the season. But, I mean, that experiment just didn't work. But I don't. I can't recall when we drafted a quarterback with the expectations that he's going to be our savior. And so that's mainly because we draft in the middle to the end of the round every year. So getting one of these top three quarterbacks is just never an option. So, And, look, I'm happy we signed them. I think it's an upgrade. I think it helps. We'll see. Maybe a change of environment. I'm glad that he's back with Dennis Allen. I think that could have an impact on him. I do think he's a very tough competitor. He hates to lose, which I love in a quarterback. And he can throw anywhere on the field. 
But like you said, Andy Dalton's a couple missed field goals. And, and the only thing that, that aggravated me last year most about Andy Dalton was there was a game where he had Taysom Hill wide open, and he wins the game if he makes the high school quarterback throw, and he didn't see it. Yeah, but the but, problem uh, is you're talking about – square peg round hole your two best receivers are deep threats and you had a quarterback that that doesn't throw the ball down the field I mean it just doesn't match up at all he you know that was square peg round hole this is not square peg round hole well does this make Michael Thomas possibly want to stay put and check his attitude or have they just had enough with him well I mean I I think if Michael Tom if they can work it out somehow financially and he's willing to come back I don't know how they could not want him to try unless uh, you know unless it's just really that ugly but I just don't get that sense that it's that ugly behind the scenes I don't I don't get that sense I have no clue with that cat at this point somewhere along the line he became a little diva on us and a little social justice warrior and he was arguably the best receiver in football for a period and something happened and look, we've had this. Discussion. Well, I know what he happened on the field when he shouldn't have been. Yes, that's and what happened. They were never held accountable for that mistake. That was a huge coaching error. That really the 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 lame press in New Orleans, for lack of a better word, never really held Sean Payton accountable for why he had him on the field in that situation. And you go back to that date. That that was a major change in fortune for this team. That Achilles injury, especially right after they had paid him. So, again, I'm excited. I'm glad they signed him. I've just got reservations. I think he's a 12 to 20 ranked quarterback, which makes him mediocre. He's middle of the pack. And I do put him in the same category as Kirk Cousins. I'd take Daniel Jones over Carr, probably from a youth standpoint and what he can do with his legs. But they're real, real close. Uh, but again, I don't. But, but Daniel. But Daniel can do it with his legs. But Daniel Jones, I don't think is the passer that Derek Carr is. No, Derek Carr can throw anywhere on the field, and we'll see. Because you could have thrown in my face. Well, the reason he's throwing fourth quarter interceptions is because they're playing from behind and he's trying to come back. And the reason he doesn't have, you know, fourth quarter comebacks is because they were down three touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, and that's kind of hard to bring a team back down that many points. So I get it. We'll see. Sometimes a change in environment can do wonders for a person. And again, I think he's. I'm surprised. It's amazing how many people. It's it's amazing how many people forget that they lost in the playoffs at Cincinnati two years ago before you know his weird head coach uh, took over. That they obviously didn't get along very well. They were one play away from from beating the Bengals in Cincinnati. Well, most games come down to one play, Kevin. After after that's, that's a season. That's why those fumbles and those interceptions are so important. A- after a season of, you know, their wide receiver rugs going through what he went through and everything that happened with Gruden. I mean, and they were still yeah. in the playoffs. Again, it's, he's never won a playoff game, and that's kind of disturbing, but – that can be rectified. Again, I, I actually think he's coming into a better situation than the national media has given him credit for. And I think the Jets way misplayed their hand. I think that they're – I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. And I think their delay is kind of what allowed Carr to be a Saint. Because I think if Carr had the option, I think he'd have rather been in New York. Uh, that's just – 
speculation. Oh, I don't believe that. But no. I also think that playing in New York is way different than playing in New Orleans, yeah. primarily from a media standpoint. Yeah, I don't, I don't so think he, he wanted to be in New York. Well, it, it, look, at least we've got the position settled. Now we can focus on the running back you want, focus on getting us a defensive tackle, maybe a defensive end. I wish some of these guys that they drafted had actually – would perform for us. That's kind of been the frustrating point. We keep trying to get some decent defensive ends, and they pick them, and they're either hurt and never on the field or just don't produce. So I still like the kid from Texas A&M. I think we can get him in the third round. And he actually smoked it at the 40 at the, at the combine. And the last thing is Richardson. I warned you about him, and it amazes me how you can have three years of game film on somebody – and a guy runs a four four forty and and vertical jumps forty two inches and all of a sudden all the game field film goes out the window because of the measurables the guy did at the combine and I've always thought that's just crazy but that's the NFL but don't I mean they're talking about him being the first pick now no and I don't, uh, that yesterday ain't or the last time I talked to you we were wondering if that, he'd even go in the first round that that that's not happening no you said he was going to go to Seattle I said Seattle is yeah, not I thought he would, a quarter. but Seattle ended up signing. Uh, well, yeah, of again, course they were going to do that. But, uh, again, did you see him as a top 10 pick before the combine? He was being projected as, you know, in that top, you know, 8 to 12 range, yeah, before the combine, yes. I thought he was in the 20 range, but it, it's just amazing what a good combine. The only thing to me that counts at the combine is that little intelligence test that Brock Purdy scored so great on it. And, and you look back right. and you're like, you've, you've got to have a smart guy under center. Before all the other measurables, you got to have a guy who knows what he's doing. Uh, and then it doesn't hurt to have a cannon. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All right, I got to take a break, Joey. Thanks for the call. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnote. Kevin Foot on The Game. Once again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. 706-0111 on this Tuesday. Again, obviously, we're still we're going to be debating the Derek Carr and analyzing that situation for a long, long time now throughout the offseason. Uh, we've got – we'll be talking some high school basketball in the next hour. St. Thomas Moore – Head boys basketball coach Danny Broussard will be on, and we will discuss their situation in the top, well, I was going to say the top 28, Marsh Madness. We did, uh, last night, Catholic High played very valiantly, but they lost by five, and J.S. Clark won North Central plays today. Then we've got St. Thomas Moore tomorrow and New Iberia on Thursday, so we'll see how those teams, uh, Kadiana teams, uh, fair uh, in at Burton Coliseum in Lake Charles. So we'll be talking some high school basketball, but certainly if you have any opinions on the Cajuns and winning the the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, 
we've got baseball and softball, and they will both the baseball and softball will be playing tomorrow against McNeese, and you know there there are more baseball over the weekend, but today is primarily you know the day after the Cajuns go to the NCAA tournament for the first time in nine years, and the day after getting the news that the Saints have signed. Derek Carr is going to kind of dominate the topic of discussion, and that's you know probably the way it should be. But let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hello, good sir. I got two questions. Does the quarterback that you got uh, does it draw? Will, will it draw in free agents? I mean, are people going to go to New Orleans and play for Andy Dalton, or do you think that they would go there for? Carr. Uh, I, I, I mean, I would think a better chance for Carr. Um, you know, Plastic Man Michael Thomas yesterday tweeted out, "What did he? Uh, thank you, Jesus." I think is what he tweeted out. So, yeah, I mean, that I, tells I, I me that he's not about upset about it, right? But the other thing is, all right. So, what, what realistically, what do you think? You top fifteen quarterback Carr, top fourteen. 12, 15, somewhere in that yeah, range? Yeah, I, I think he's in that 12 to 15 range. So he's top 15 quarterback in the universe, right? So there's there's nobody there's nobody in in the world he's top 15 quarterback. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, look, some people look say like that. that's mediocre, but I don't think that's mediocre. I think if you're in the upper half of the NFL, that's not mediocre. Mediocre is... You know, to me, is like between twenty five and and thirty three or four. I mean that that's mediocre. Like, right? I mean, I, I think he's above. I think he's. I think he's above average for sure. And I never put. I never. I, I never put any. If you play for the Raiders, I, I, I pretty much just like. I mean, the, their franchise is just lost. So. You you don't really know what you got until a player goes somewhere else. Like uh, like what are they gonna do with with Adams now? What's he gonna do? They yeah. paid all that money for him. What are they gonna? I do? don't know. I think they're either gonna trade up and get one of the top rookie quarterbacks, or some people think they're gonna get Aaron Rodgers, and we'll you know, we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, they better have a plan. It doesn't seem like they ever do, but they better have one. Well, they'll try. That doesn't mean it's going to work. Like Joey said, he didn't. Th- a lot of people think Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets. You know, we'll see. We'll wait and see if they don't get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and the and the Ravens franchise Lamar Jackson. If they can't reach a deal, I don't. I don't know what what other. What are they going to get? Jimmy G. I mean, Jimmy G. is a manager, but Jimmy G. can't throw. You know, he's not as good as Derek Carr. That 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 would have been that would have been a problem for us. I think yeah. if we would have got somebody like that. Well, I, hope, I wasn't I'll, really that. Uh, I wasn't really bummed out with the quarterback situation we had last year. I mean, I think uh, drop balls. Um, there was a lot of deflected interceptions. There was a lot of stuff that really you couldn't put on the quarterback. He he definitely played better than I expected. I I agree, but I still think that to to utilize the weapons you have, they needed somebody that can throw it down the field. Now, of course, they have to let him throw the ball down the field too. You know, all of that plays into coaching and, and it's all part of the, the team fabric and we'll see how it plays out. But I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. I um again we'll we'll see. If if this team 
you know, if if they can get something out of Peyton Turner and if their kicker makes kicks and they stop fumbling the football and to the last caller's point, which I think is an excellent one, and I referred to that yesterday, they drop way too many passes. And I know doesn't mean that they're call drops, but when you've got the ball as an NFL receiver and it's right in your hands and you get hit and you come out, I mean, the hit might have been great, but it's still a drop. Hang on to the football. You're going to get hit anyway. It's one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome to Footnotes. Welcome back. Again, we are broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk Sunbelt Conference basketball, talk uh, baseball, softball, whatever you would like. I learned yesterday, and I, I didn't notice because, you know, ever since I've known Raymond and talked sports with him, I've always thought that he was a baseball fan. But I learned yesterday that he absolutely abhors the World Baseball Classic, which starts, I think it starts today, right? I've been so... Yep. You know, been in Pensacola all weekend, a little distracted, but uh, I think it starts today. It's tonight. It's like a it's like a ten or eleven o'clock our time first pitch. So I'm not sure I'll see any of it. But uh, yeah, it's Cuba, and they are facing. I'll get that in a minute. We oh, I'm definitely not going to see because I, I I'm gonna have to yeah, go to you bed need to probably catch tonight. up on oh, some sleep. Oh man, huh? not um yeah so. so it is Cuba and the Netherlands at 10 o'clock on FS1, 10 o'clock Central. So I'm assuming it doesn't have it on here. I'm assuming that's in one of the international, either Taichung or Tokyo, one of the international host sites because there's right. like four different areas. Miami and Phoenix are both. Didn't, didn't Xander Bogarts play for the Netherlands? I don't know if he's playing in this year, but I want to say in the last one, Xander Bogarts was playing for the Netherlands. You know, you get some really weird ones um, with the whole. I think they're pretty loose on the requirements for the World like Baseball Classic. Like if your Classic. parents, yeah, yeah, it's like any any type of answer. It's not. I don't think it's like the Olympics where it's pretty strict and depends on the country. Um, but let's see, uh, Kenley Jansen's on the Netherlands roster. Yeah, so that's interesting. But uh, Pedro Strope, um, yeah, Xander Bogarts is on there. Didi Gregorius. Jonathan Scope, Andrelton Simmons. I mean, they got a pretty decent roster, actually. Jerickson Profar. So um, I don't know how all those players, because a lot of them are not from the Netherlands it has here on their home, their birth countries, but that's their roster. So they got a lot of guys. They got a lot of MLB players. Bert Blylevin. Yeah. Was from the Netherlands or had, you know, family history there. So no, it's, uh, um, it, it was funny because I, I, um, in conversation yesterday, people were just, it's just all over the World Baseball Classic. I'm like, man, but they love the Olympics. I, I I don't I don't get that. But anyway, 
Um, I don't know when I'll get a chance to watch it because it's such a busy time right now, which I regret, but that's just kind of the US, way it is. Just while we're on the topic, the U.S. opens on Saturday night against Great Britain, so that'll be their first game. Are you serious? Oh, yep. I hope they crush them. Well, and so that's another team that has some interesting now. I mean, on paper, I think the U.S. is a much better team. Um, but, and I'll pull it up here. Again, it's it's you'll see this throughout the tournament, by the way. I hope so they crush them and then spike the ball in their face. Yeah, well, if you're you're seeing, uh, well, Ian Jabot, he went to Tulane. I remember watching him in college. He's on the Great Britain roster. But so if you're watching these games and you're going, that guy's from there, just remember there's the World Baseball Classic, which I think is probably a good thing to spread some of the talent around. Yeah. Um, it, it it can be, yeah, there's some weird rules with like if your parents or this or that or your heritage, so you don't have to be necessarily born in the country you play for. So a lot of the Great Britain guys are actually born in the USA, but I guess they're family. So let's see who they've got. Uh, you not, recognize any name? I mean, yeah, there's a few guys here and there that I know. I mean, Darnell Sweeney's a guy I watched play in college. Trace Thompson. Um, Alex Webb's on there. Andre Scrub. Astro there, um, but not any Donovan Benoit, who I think is another two-lane guy. Man, we got two two-lane pitchers on this roster, but not uh no, yeah, no, they're actually not even anywhere near what I thought. They don't have many household names, so yeah, so hopefully be they crush a, them. Should be a win for the U.S. Let me get the uh, the time for you on that one, because um, again, a lot of these times are weird too. Which that one is in the U.S. as far as I know. Um, but that'll be eight o'clock Central Time on Fox on the the big network Fox. So wow, that's a pretty big one. A lot of these games are on FS1, FS2, Tubi, so they got a few different networks. And All then right. Saturdays. Hopefully, I get a, a chance day. to see it. But yep. we'll, you know, we will see. So personally, I don't know. Other people might have you know who might be traveling with the Cajuns or playing to travel with the Cajuns might be hoping for more destination sites some may like to go to hope they go to denver um you know i guess some people are hoping to go to orlando there's a few things to do in the orlando area i hope it's birmingham because i can drive there and drive back and not be at the mercy of flights and all that during the ncaa i don't know it just seems it's uh travel could be tricky because you don't know if you're going for one game or two games yeah that's that's the thing so I don't well we'll see. But yeah, any uh any more thoughts or anything from last night's uh victory to Cajuns beat South Alabama. The Cajuns now are four and oh as the number two seed. We were talking about numbers and what does that mean? I don't know what that means, but um they're they're now five and four since they joined the Sunbelt Conference thirty years ago in tournament finals. They are now two and one in tournament finals over South Al, and they are now four and zero in tournament finals as the number two overall outright number two overall seed. So, kind of interesting the way that that worked out. All right, so we've been talking about quarterbacks, and you know it's it's you know it's it's an obsession with me that the the uh, the way that people view things and. For instance, I looked up the 2021, two years ago, NFL quarterback rating. Aaron Rodgers was was rated number two that year. Last year, he was rated number 14. Now, 
There's the caveat that he, some people say he had like a broken thumb or something, and that had something to do with it. But, I mean, that that's possible, obviously. But most, the, the, the analysis, if, if, if people really think that Aaron Rodgers played that much worse, like all of, now, this year, according to this, you know, Brady was number one two years ago. He was like 10th or 11th this year. If you don't think that your team, like, does anybody really think that Aaron Rodgers is the 14th best quarterback in the NFL? His team went through a transition year. They traded their best receiver, or they let him go, and um, his team went through a transition year. They had a bunch of rookie wide receivers, and it took a while. And I'm sure he didn't make as many plays but he went from 2 to 14. I you know, it's just I don't I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that much worse of a player. His team was not as good. Derek Carr 2 years ago was ranked as the 10th best quarterback in the league. Whether how accurate that was or not accurate it was, that's that's what the uh the NFL index he was ranked as the 10th best quarterback in the NFL. Ahead of Lamar Jackson. Ahead of Russell Wilson before he went to Denver. Ahead of, you know, Kirk Cousins and a lot of other, you know, I think pretty good quarterbacks. And then he gets little Josh, he comes in, and they obviously don't get along and he doesn't play well, and now he's, you know, in the 20s. Again, it, 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 it's all about team circumstances. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, this idea that Aaron Rodgers is close to washed up that I've heard some people kind of, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just silliness, silliness. But so, again, all those rankings are, you know, Lamar Jackson hasn't been in the top 10 the last two years. How much money is this cat about to get? Is he mediocre? I guess some people could argue that. I don't think he's mediocre. I certainly don't want to defend him. Um, and I don't I don't know that he would go to the Jets. I still think if he goes anywhere other than the Falcons, which is a great concern of mine, that I still think the Dolphins would be in, in play because uh, they they have a an a, a, a iffy situation there. I just I just. I'm just saying be careful of all these rankings that team circumstances play into into a lot of that, not how good a, a player plays or doesn't play. So, we'll, again, time will tell on some of that. But, again, um, they, they just need to hit on the draft. Hopefully uh, Todd Grantham can come in and get something out of Turner, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So, We've got another couple weeks, a week or so. I don't know, maybe two weeks, and then it's going to be the combine ends today. No, the combine ended yesterday, I believe. So after we get through the NCAA tournament and selection and high school basketball season ends on Saturday, the state finals are there. Um, I don't know how much we're going to argue about quarterbacks unless I keep hearing things that drive me bonkers. But – uh, we'll, we'll really be, you know, a lot more talking about the NFL draft. And, you know, it wasn't all that long ago. Saints fans were looking at a year where they didn't have a first-round pick, so we don't typically delve into 
the NFL draft as much. But now with the first round pick, and now we don't have to waste a pick on a on a rookie quarterback like a lot of people were speculating. Man, it just the whole look and how do you look at, at the NFL draft and what positions they could take. Uh, takes you know it, it now we can start talking about that like we mentioned that last week it was like let's get rid of the quarterback situation let's get him signed and they did yesterday and then you can start talking about what you need and what you're going to get and uh, I'm sure there are still going to be people out there who still think they need to draft a rookie quarterback but folks this is the Saints and I drafted a rookie I mean that this whole Ian Book thing Think about how silly that was. When they drafted that guy, people were calling trying to tell me that guy was a good quarterback. Just a wasted draft pick. Just like uh, what's his name that they picked in the third round from Colorado State. Wasted draft pick. Just That would be Garrett Grayson. Yeah, Garrett Grayson. Don't have to fool with that. Don't have to worry about wasting a pick on a quarterback so they can uh, – Hopefully, make some good picks elsewhere. And I think they made some good picks last year. Hopefully, they can find the safety version of Alante Taylor. I would love to do that as well this year. We'll see how that plays out. So, the draft talk is coming. It, it, it's coming, but we got a few more things to, to um, get uh, accomplished. And one of those is to take a timeout, and we'll shift gears to high school basketball. We'll talk to St. Thomas Moorhead basketball coach Danny Broussard next. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. As I said, we've got the high school basketball state tournament going on right now. And tomorrow, St. Thomas Moore will be participating down in Lake Charles. We have with us the Cougars head coach, Danny Broussard. How are you, sir? Hey, Kevin, doing great, my man, doing great. <laughs> All right, so how often do you go start to say top 28 and and then you then you catch yourself because I can't stop doing that? Oh, yeah, no no doubt. I, I call it top 28, final four, March Madness, what, we, what name do you go by? Yeah, so I'm still a top 28 guy, so uh, I, I hear you, Kevin. Yeah, that, and, and Kevin, what's ironic is that um, – it, when when I when my brothers were playing, you know, it was it was back then. It was the top twenty, right? So, yeah, and then it, it, the name changed. Top twenty, and I would have to go to what? what I mean, how many teams we got now? Top forty. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's division, too many yeah, for my little mind mind to count. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So, well, I just called the final four. Now, you know, that's what that's kind of what NCAA does, and that's kind of our goal at the beginning of the year. You know, let's let's get to that final four. So, um, you know, we're there. Uh, uh, with Kevin, we've had a great year. Obviously, we we uh, you know. We want to we want to finish it off strong and keep going and uh, you know I, I told somebody I said if you if you had the game we you know we were excited I might have, I think I was more excited than the kids were um, but you know we didn't cut down any nets and you know it was it was a it was a, a really it was a really great Kevin I'm not I'm not sure how much you heard about it but that was, Friday night was kind of a really great high school game it kind of I don't know it reminded me kind of the old days um, you know we talked about that now we got the, the, new, the new restructure 
which uh, which uh, it, I, I wish it was everybody, but it's it, it's definitely an improvement. And you could tell by the quarterfinal game, the the atmosphere, the type of team he played. You know, we hadn't played a public school, uh, I don't think, in five years. Uh, you know, uh, in in the quarterfinal round. You know, so it was good to have a good public school rivalry. Pineville brought a great crowd. Uh, the game was so crazy. It was a game of runs. We we up about 18 points. They come down and get to within one point, and then we finish the game on a run. So just a, a, a wild game, but a, a, a fun atmosphere. And uh, like I said, I, you know, our guys were excited about the win, but, uh, you know, I think, um, I think they, uh, they still got something that they want to prove. All right, so Catholic High, that's a team I, I believe that you've played in recent years. So is there a lot of uh, familiarity there? Yeah, kind of, Kevin. You know, we we played them off and on over the years. You know, uh, I told somebody I think I've been through uh, I think I've been through four Catholic high coaches. Uh, my my good friend Glenn Randall, who kind of did the same thing I did. He was coaching. He got became the alumni director. So I played him when Glenn Randall was there. He was a great coach. Uh, and and then then uh, uh, Mark Mark Espridge was the next guy, and I became friends with him. Matter of fact, I saw him at the beach two years ago. We talked about it all the old times. Uh, you know, and then they had uh, Mark Cassio, who's now uh, interesting. He's the girls' assistant coach at App State, who won a beating my my, my lady my lady Cages the other day. Uh, and so he's moved on. And then now it's um, oh geez, I'm gonna have a mental block here. Um, I forget the current coach, but he was at Port Allen. Uh, so and we played him last year, Kevin, in the Cajun Dome, uh, and that was a really good game. We went back and forth. We wound up putting that out by about three. So yeah, a lot of familiarity with Catholic High. You know. Kevin, you know, it's kind of a mirror, mirror, mirror program to each other. I think, you know, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, and they kind of do the same thing. You know, same kind of school structure where I accept they're all boys, which is obviously different. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, uh, Kevin, it's, uh, it makes for a great matchup, I think, you know. Now, so you, I'm surprised, so you did not play him this year. No, we did not play him this year. No, we, we had gone to that tournament a couple of times, Kevin. And, you know, it was a good tournament, Kevin, because it's kind of funny, but we, we stopped going because of the traffic, I think. Every time we go, oh, I don't blame you. Yeah, you know, something yeah. on the bridge and this and that. Like I told him, I said, man, that that and that's when Mark Castles. I said, Mark, I love your tournament. You got great teams, but I said, man, the traffic is killing me. And you know, it's got quite far enough to to really stay in hotels. You know, I, it was one of those deals. Like I said, yeah, we just won't go. So yeah, so we used to go there. We, that matter of fact, the last time we played a regular season game was was uh, was in that was that time when when they were in their tournament. But uh, so anyway, so no, we haven't played except for last year, and it was a Cajun Dome game. Uh, and, uh, you know, they got almost everybody back. They lost only one player from that team. Well, of course, we have a lot of players back as well. So it's kind of it's kind of uh, the same thing, the same matchup as last year. Kevin, what's, uh, what's, what's really scary about this team is uh, he's, he's all guards. And, and, and except for Chad on our team, we're the same way. We got all guards. But we, we do have Chad, uh, Chad Jones in the middle. Uh, but, you know, they, they got shooters, Kevin. That's what they do. They, um, they penetrate and pitch. They, they try to get you to suck in and, 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 and hit those uh, those shooters, at, you, know, out, you know, open shooters, and, man, they just knock them down, you know. Um, you know, they, they, the old saying is that, you know, uh, I've been doing this for a lot of times, and I've, I've seen it work both ways where, you know, sometimes it is a little harder to shoot in a coliseum-type atmosphere because of the depth perception is so much different, you know. But, um, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure they've been shooting at LSU. I'm sure they got that facility, if not Southern and both. And, uh, and, and unfortunately for us, uh, we tried to get the Cajun Dome, but uh, the floor was already pulled up, uh, and there were some other issues with using it, which I think is kind of a, kind of a shame that our local schools, us in New Iberia, tried to get it. I'm sure Caldecott tried to too, but uh, they had already taken the floor up for whatever reason, and uh, unfortunately, we can't, we couldn't get in. I'm kind of disappointed actually that you know uh, some Lafayette schools can't can't get in the 
to do some practice in, in the Cajun Dome, but that's another story in itself. But uh, I, I'm sure, ahead. yo, yeah. with all the, as good a defensively as y'all are, um, running teams off the three-point line, how have y'all done with that this year? Well, you're exactly right. That's the thing, Kevin. You know, I tell you, know, you for for nine months, you you know, we preach. You know, we I've done a kind of a weird man to man this year. We kind of have a we kind of took the pack line philosophy a little bit, a little bit. Uh, we use that along with just what I've taught for, for forty years, our regular man to man, and it's kind of kind of strange. But we kind of come up with a it's it's just a little different. But the fact is, is that no matter what you're doing, you you know, you teach your guys, you, you don't give up layups, right? So you know, you help them recover. And Kevin, that we're trying to get our kids across is that eh, don't help too much. You know, just let's just let's just like you saw about. Let's just kind of stay out wide and and, and don't give them open looks. You know, because they're just so good at shooting. And so we're trying that now. You know, we may wind up giving up 15 layups and and 10 threes, and that wouldn't be a good combination either. You know, so it's kind of a catch 22. How much they're gonna, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember that, Kevin, but uh, we played. It was such a strange game. We played. They're not quite the same, but they do shoot a lot. But I don't know if you remember this Della Salle game in the Sunkiss shootout. The score was 45 to 40. We were down all five, uh, 45. I'm sorry, 42. I think uh, all 42 of their points came from the three point line. I remember hearing that. Yeah. yeah. Remember hearing that story? Yeah. yeah. Every, they were giving up layups to shoot to shoot threes. And so we were sucking in there, kicking out, hitting threes. Uh, you know, matter of fact, kind of ironic, but CC Jonathan CC, who is, I think CC is uh, number 10 in the NCAA this year in free throw percentage. He was at 90%, and he was second in the conference uh, in free throw shooting. CC made two free throws. He was shooting free throws way back then. He made two free throws to beat him that time, but then they got back and beat us in the championship game uh, at, 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 Bur- matter of fact, at Burton. So anyway, um, you know, it's one of those deals where, Kevin, we're, we're going to do what we do. You know, we're going to mix up our defenses a lot. Uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes we change up our defense and sometimes it's better. And uh, we're just going to kind of experiment a little bit on that in that phase and see what works best for us, you know. But obviously a big concern. And, and Kevin, uh, the thing about them, too, is that, um, you know, uh, they, they, um, it's hard to press them because they got all guards. You know, they handle the ball well. They pass it well. Um, they just do a lot of good things, you know. And look, when they get to the Final Four, it's supposed to be that way, you know. So we definitely have a challenge in our hands. And then, you know, uh, man, if we can even get past this game, you're looking at, yeah, I'm not sure Scottsdale's going to win. I put my money on if I was a betting guy, but, you know, they got a seven foot center. I mean, we got, it's going to be a tough one, but, you know, but guys, it's kind of fun to, to have this challenge and, you know, see what we can, what we can do and see if we can kind of, you know, steal a couple of them, so to speak. You know, this isn't one of your most gifted scoring teams, but but how special is the defensive team you have this year? Yeah, you know, it, Kevin. It, you know, Kevin, go back to last year a little bit. You know, we I, I, we actually set a school record for, uh, and again, it had something to do with the style we play. We were very uh, methodic last year as far as offense because we just were limited on scoring. You know, so so it it had a little bit to do with that the way we played, and we're playing much faster this year. But uh, but we did set a school record for for uh, least points allowed. You know, like forty. I think it, I think we got to forty uh, forty eight point three or something like that. You know, we broke the old school record that had been around for thirty eight years. And so so last year's team was pretty. You know, anyway, we played a lot of one three one. We were kind of big. You know, uh, we had Christian Christian Land who was really tall in the wing with Chad. We had a really big lineup out there. And then we had Dominic Jenkins uh, and we had Patrick Doherty. We were it's a big lineup. You know, that one three one gave people a lot of trouble. So. Uh, we were, you know, so it's kind of started last year. But Kevin, what's, what's I'm, I'm actually a bit surprised about, uh, you know, you know, you've been watching me for a long time. I'm kind of a matchup guy, but man, we've played more man to man than we ever have, and 
our man to man has been really good, man. It's been it's been it's been really good, and um, you know we 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 uh, we able to rebound really well off of the man to man because you got one on one blocking our responsibilities. So that that's that's been a, a little bit of a plus as well, uh, you know. And then um, again, and then you got you know you got Big Chad who he does a good job of changing shots in there, you know. So even though they did buy somebody, Chad's usually looking around that basket and able to change shots and and, and block some. So yeah, our defense has been good, and I, I, again, uh, I think it's going to have to carry us because. Um, you know, again, Catholic High is so good offensively, uh, and 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 you know, look, they 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 play good man-to-man defense as well. But um, I, I think the big issue is going to be is that we're going to have to definitely, uh, like you talked about, close out on shooters, and and uh, you know, hopefully they're not hitting shots. If they, if they hit a bunch of threes, well, then we'll shake hands and come back, you know. But uh, again, it's it, you just never know about these games. They are very scared because of the way they shoot. And uh, Kevin, you know, we prepare teams all year long, and it's a, a high school level. You know, you see, you know, you see two pretty good shooters. You know, sometimes one or two. You know, hardly ever three sometimes, but but this team seriously like those four guys. I mean, I'm watching a lot of a lot of film, and every time I watch film, I kind of get a little more nauseated because uh, I'll see. A, sometimes you see a guy like, eh, you know, you don't shoot it that good. And then all of a sudden, he'll make four threes in a game. I'm like, oh, geez, are you kidding me? So uh, you know, <laughs> I've seen all of them shoot extremely well, and again, they're, they're not perfect. They're going to miss some, you know. So uh, we we got to do a good job of. Uh, I think another key is going to be Kevin's, you know, because when you shoot a lot of threes, you know how that goes. There's some long rebounds. And so, boy, it makes it tough, you know, because we just can't give them two or three shots because they're, they're just too good. They're not going to miss multiple occasions. So that's going to be a key, I think, is making sure that they only get that one shot, you know, and, and don't give up two or three. Well, I'm sure you enjoyed the, watching the Cajuns pull out the victory last night oh, over a red-hot South Alabama team and, and go to the NCAA tournament. That was a great game. You know, Kevin, you and I had talked that the last time I went to the home game, we were sitting at that back, and you told me, man, South Al is a good team. You know, they had start, they struggled. They had their struggles. But, well, they were, play, they were playing good basketball at the end of the year. And, yeah, man, uh, wow, what a game. Man, and, uh, you know, God, what a big shot. Is always, I, always, I always love seeing a local kid, uh, you know, uh, do well, man, for Dalcourt. I, th- I thought Dalcourt, you know, kind of funny, but last year I thought that the player of the, of the tournament for us, I thought was Greg Williams. You know, he, he came on so strong in the tournament last year. And, man, this year I think it's been Dalcourt. He's been some big, he, big shots. Yes, he, he really gave him a boost, yes. Yes, yes, off the bench. And, then, and Williams got hurt, you know, so he'll, that was key for him. And, again, look, he's, he's not perfect. He misses some. and you know, maybe, he takes, maybe he takes a bad shot every now and then. But, dang, boy, he had some big ones. For this tournament for us, and I, you know, I know they gave and did, uh, rightfully so. He was the MVP, but um, that that and and then you know, uh, you know me, uh, my glue guy. I love I love the way I think Lewis is uh, an unsung yes. for that team. Wait, by the way, he did make the all tournament team, didn't he? He did make the all tournament team. Yes. 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 That's Lacey and I. My whole family was watching last night. And Lacey and I. That's our favorite players. Lewis. We 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 love him. He's the trash guy, the glue guy, the don't care guy that gets his hands dirty and. And, and and you know picks up those trash baskets, man. I, I love that kid. What he made, I didn't. I was wasn't sure about his free throw shooting, but man, he made. He didn't even hit the rim on those two. He shot. He shot him with confidence at the yeah, end. Of the game. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's a good free throw shooter. I, I was glad that he went yeah. to the line. That that, that was good because yeah. uh, yeah, Jordan's been really struggling in that area. So in that area, yeah, no, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a proud USL alum and uh, uh, proud of the Cajuns for for. Uh, for, for, for getting to the big dance, that's going to be awesome to get to to get to watch them. Uh, and like you said, speculation. I don't know where they're going to send them, but uh, uh, it, wherever they go, it's uh, it's exciting. You know, it's always exciting to to have your local team playing in the big dance, man. That's it's pretty awesome. All right, I appreciate your time as always, sir. Good luck tomorrow. I appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you so much.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. If you want to talk Cajuns going to the NCAA tournament, look forward to a baseball, softball weekend, or perhaps you would uh, want to talk about NFL, the draft, uh, anything from the combine over the over this weekend, uh, certainly feel free to comment on any of those subjects. Or if you're looking forward to the World Baseball Classic, if you're not like Ray and you just hate the World Baseball Classic, then uh, certainly we can talk about that. I'm I'm really just joking. But no, seriously. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, you know, I think a lot of fans don't really like the team, their players participating in it, but it's still, and I get that, but it still might be kind of fun to watch <clears throat> them play. And we'll see how that plays out. All right. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Well, Lucy let Charlie Brown kick the ball last night, Kevin. Yes. I thought about you. You know, I'm not, I, I'm going to have to admit to you right now, that was a great, you know, that was a great chess match between both the coaches. They both decided the weaknesses and the strengths of that, those teams, what they, they identified, and they exploited both of them. You know, we knew that they cannot shoot. Uh, we, had, we had to make sure we were on their three-point shooters, and they let that Elijah Moore score his points, but they never got off Owen, they never got off Moore, and they not, never got off Herrera, whatever his name is. That was great coaching on Marlins' part. And do you remember yesterday when I was talking about a lineup to where we could have gone without either one of our point guards? Because I was worried that their coach was going to try to make the point guards beat us. And he did exactly what I was worried about, but yet we countered. And that just goes off to us. Well, Thema's right. Now, Thema's got it through. And Coach Riley um, in the post game. A press conference said the very same thing you said. He said, look, a lot of teams, when Zay, as he calls him, Isaiah Moore, does what he did, and he did it fabulously last night, uh, that a lot of teams get off of the three-point shooters, and that creates, and that UL just never did. They never got off of them. And, uh, no, it worked. And, again, Coach Riley, like you said, identified, let's make this guy beat us. And you, like we always say, if they and if he beats me, you just shake their hand, tip your hat, and move on. And that's basically what happened. Yes, yeah, you know I think he's a very good young coach that uh, that, uh, that coach they got over there. He's going to win a lot of games uh, as long as he goes in his career. You know, another thing, Kevin, is that play the the, the play at the Dow Court. Uh, they gave us a three point lead when uh, Athemus went in like the goal, like he was going to drive, and uh, Dow Court right, right behind him hit that little six footer. That was an excellent call on Marlon. You, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, I, 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 absolutely. It, w- it was Jalen Dalcourt hitting the um, Terrence Lewis shot, I call it, you know, the little sh- little shot in the lane. And, no, it was 
Jalen really came through big. You know, there was a period around the middle of the conference where he was kind of struggling a little bit and he wasn't playing a lot of minutes. And then, I don't know, he lost confidence or they lost confidence in him. But just like he did last year, you know, Danny talked about how Greg played well, but Jalen played well in the tournament last year in addition to Greg. And it was great to see Jalen have so many big moments in this game, this tournament. Well, and Coach Marlin, remember, challenged him publicly at <clears throat> yes. some of the press conference. He said he's not playing well like he should, and, and he answered. Yes. Yes, you know, and look, look, we were all worried about the free throws. Look, I was very worried about that. But you know that when they uh, when we were only about one, we were like 27 seconds, and when you were there the foul, that play they ran with Lewis was, was very smart. You know, he stayed way back on vacation court and let like two other guys try to, they thinking we were going to try to get into the other two guys, and then like it's a three-second count, he ran all the way down to the baseline and caught it, and they fouled him. That was a design play. No, I, I agree, and and – because <clears throat> and, and he had just rep- he had just Terrence had just come into the game and they took Jordan out and it, it worked to perfection. But like you said, I thought it was a great chess match. Early on, they were just attacking the basket like you know with the old term reckless abandon. I mean, they I was like, man, look how aggressive they're being. But I, I do think, and, and Coach Riley said they kind of ran out of gas, and that's that's the advantage of being a higher seed. At least it worked. Remember, we talked about that. You know, look, and that shot that uh, that white, uh, the last three points that white kid took, look, he, Kevin, he was just barely short. You know, that's, he takes that shot, they only play three games, he makes it. The playing that 14, he was a couple of inches short, and that was the difference. It was, you know, it wasn't a perfectly played game, but it was an exciting game. It was a great chess match, like you pointed out. So, uh, great victory. Yeah, it looks like we're going to be either 14th or 13th seed. I think we could get up to 13th seed if a couple of them teams uh, lose that are ahead of us, uh, like Toledo, don't win their tournament, or, or a couple of other ones. We might get up to 13th seed. So, uh, you know, it's going to it's be much better to be a 13th seed than a 14th seed. Absolutely. I agree with that. Thanks, FedEx, man. Okay. All right. So, to, to his point, if you're a Cajun fan, you need to pull for upsets. Yeah, I'm way ahead of you on this one. I uh, kind of mapped it out a little bit in RP3, but uh, I will I will kind of explain a few of these. So it's not – now it's interesting too. Like there's – it's not just any upsets. It's certain teams that you need to look out for. So there's a few that are really important. Um, the ones to kind of monitor right now, College of Charleston's playing in the Colonial Championship. Now they're a little bit interesting because they're going to be a bubble team even if they lose – there, but there's some rumors that they're not going to get in. They're 29 and three. I think it would be crazy of them not to get in. But they don't have any quad one wins. Um, the next one's going to be VCU in the Atlantic 10. Now VCU and Dayton are both ranked higher than the Cajuns. But if anyone outside of those two wins the tournament, Cajuns would jump a spot. Same thing with Toledo. Toledo and Kent State in the MAC are both ahead of the Cajuns. But if anybody other than those two wins that tournament, they jump a spot. Iona in the MAAC, which is coached by I believe Rick Patino. If anyone other than them wins that tournament, Cajuns would jump a spot. And Yale in the Ivy League. If anyone other than Yale wins the Ivy League, UL jumps a spot. So those are Ivy League, MAAC, the MAC, and the Atlantic 10, and maybe the Colonial are all the ones that I'm looking. You're wanting someone who's not the top two seeds to win those tournaments. And, you know, it's probably a pretty good chance at least one of those are going to happen. And as of now, for most people, UL is the top either the first or second 14 seed, so they would be the first team to jump up to a 13 by most of the people that are making the so, predictions So right you now. think 
they would they might be safe if two of those happen. If two of them happen, I think they're definitely safe because a couple of uh, there's still a lot of people that have them as a 13 the way it is now. Um, there's some discrepancies on you know a seating, and I don't I don't know who knows more than the next person. Everybody tries to predict this every year, and nobody's ever perfectly right. But um, so this this website called Bracket Matrix that I've found basically kind of compiles. I think it's like a hundred and seven different people who project rankings. And they have them projected as a 14. I think 96 of them have UL in the bracket. So they'll get an updated one today, and I'll tell you tomorrow. But right now, there's still some people who were projecting South Alabama to win the tournament. So that's going to also make them go up. Right. Their average right now is a 13.68 seed, which rounds up to a 14. But there's a good number of people on here that have them as a 13 already. So it's something to monitor. But I, I think they'll end up being a 13. And that's my hope, too, because like I said, your chances start going way up once you get into that 13 range instead of being a 14 where you got to play maybe a top 10 team. So, but again, if you if two of those things can happen, then you feel really, really good about a 13. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. And then again, if, if all of them, if you get now, it's not likely, but if all of them happen, then you could possibly jump up into the 12 range, but that would take a lot. Now, all those tournaments can't be this weekend. They must be going on right now, some of these Some of them, yeah. Some of them have started already, and then a good bit of them will be heading into the weekend. But um, I know, like I said, the College of Charleston game, that game's tonight where they play UNCW, who, look, UNCW is very good as well. That conference had a good year. I think UL would still be ranked ahead of them, though. So that's the only one, like I said, where Charleston is still on the bubble to get an at-large, even if they lose, but... If they, you know, because then if they get in anyway, then that wouldn't matter. They'd still be seated ahead of you. But we'll see what happens there. The rest of those, um, I think, are a few of those tournaments already started, and then a few of them will be getting going as the week goes on. Another one actually is the WAC. You'd have to, it would have to be someone other than Utah Valley or Sam Houston State. But if anyone below those two wins it, you'd jump another spot. All right. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome. Back to footnotes, coming foot on the game. Still time to get in if you would like. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you really want to get into the conference tournament now that the Cajuns are in, you know, a lot of times what we'd be talking about is, all right, uh, kind of looking at all these teams and kind of seeing what kind of team you would want the Cajuns to play. But I, I don't know that there is. I I think this team's fairly balanced. It it constantly amazes me how good they are at rebound because, again, I don't think they have a lot of Bryce Washington-looking guys out there that can just rebound. Um, you know, they're, all, they're either kind of on the shorter side or on the thin side, and yet the Cajuns just seem to do a good job of rebounding every year. They just must coach it well. That's one thing they've always kind of coached well, I think, is rebounding. Yeah, you know – it's an interesting thing to, to, to talk about the type of teams they'd match up with. There is one ty- style of team that I wouldn't feel great about, and that's a team with a dominant big man inside. 
because they haven't really – I wouldn't call Samuel that because offensively he's not a great player. But just because Brown isn't the best defender and then when he gets into any sort of foul trouble, he really starts to become a tentative defender, which I think is on purpose. They probably yeah. coach him like that because yeah. they don't want him – so if you have a team now, they're not going to play a team like Purdue in the first round because Purdue's going to be either one or a two seed. But Purdue's got the big seven-foot-four monster inside. I don't think that type of team. Now, that's not a great matchup for anybody, but a team that has a guy like that, a really good, skilled big man offensively that maybe can play physically and get try to get Brown into foul trouble would be a team I'd want to avoid. The teams that are interesting in the tournament is like if you, you want to play a team that shoots the three really well or is like a streaky shooting team because – you know what? Maybe they just don't have their best yeah. game that day. And a so. lot of guys, a lot of teams are nervous in that first playoff, that first in playoff NCAA tournament game anyway, just like they are in the first round playoff game at the high school level. So, no, it, 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 it I, 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 agree, I agree with that. Um, did I see what? What is Tennessee going to be? So they're projected as a three or a four, and UL was yeah. Lenardi, who is kind of the you know the, he's the ESPN guy, so he gets he's one of the most popular kind of bracket makers. His projection as of last night, which I don't know if that was before or after UL won, because he was projecting them to beat South Alabama, uh, had UL as a fourteen seed playing Tennessee in the first round as a three seed, mm. which I don't love the matchup of playing Tennessee either. Now I haven't seen them play. I pl- I watched them play a lot more last year than this year. Um, but I, I don't know about playing them. Now, they've kind of struggled down the stretch, though, so maybe that's something to keep in mind. There's a history with Tennessee in postseason play, and so um, certainly would be interesting, especially if it's in Birmingham. But um, I don't know. I, I think I'd want to stay away from that, too. Now, I don't have a clear idea who the other best options would be right there, but there is a history with uh with Tennessee in postseason play going back to 81-82 season and then the 85 season and then uh early on this century as well. Yeah, so the teams right now that you'd be keeping an eye on um that are kind of the projected matchups. Gonzaga is in there as one of the three seeds. Oh. Uh wouldn't feel great about that, especially with Drew Timmy inside. Now he's not a big physical presence, but he's just such a skilled offensive yeah. player. Um, I vote no. Yeah, I vote no there. UConn, now they're interesting. Now, again, they have a very skilled big, big man, so that would go against what I'm kind of saying. Um, Xavier as well, so a couple teams from the Big East. Indiana, who's a team who was really, really good at times this year and not so great at other times, but they've done enough to put themselves in the conversation. And then Virginia. Now, that's the interesting one because Virginia, now they've had success in the tournament. They've went all the way before, but they've also been a team that's been upset a lot because of they kind of play. They're like the Texas State on, you know, on steroids, like a way more talented version, but they like to muddy up games and play defensive yeah. games. Now, they've changed up their approach a little bit in recent years. They're not quite as dominantly defensive as they were in years past, but that's one that I wouldn't be super, super upset about ended up with Virginia because I think they're a team that has been proven when they play poorly, they can be beat by just about anybody on any, any given night. So They, they um, you know, don't always score a ton of points. So, yeah, that, that, that would be interesting, um, it, you know, there. And, again, it, 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 it's, just, it's just fun to that the anticipation of – when the bracket's just about to come up and every time they put it up, you know, Arctic Cajun's going to be on that screen or not be on that screen. And, you know, you, you still get that, at you know, with baseball and softball, but we haven't had it in basketball in a while. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be um, lots of fun. And then 
I mean, you would think they would put it, but I mean, some teams have to go out west, so you just you just don't know. Yeah, like I was saying too, that sometimes they do try to do it regionally, but that also kind of depends how many teams on this side of the country or in this you know the southern portion get in, and if there's not very many southern teams or there's too many or something like that, then you might get sent elsewhere because that's just how it goes. So especially when you're a when you're a twelve thirteen seed, they're not building the bracket around yeah. you anyway. So you're kind of put wherever they end up fitting you in. And I, I don't I don't think they go by crowds or anticipate how teams travel or any of that stuff. Yeah, maybe if there's an opportunity to do something like that they would, but yeah, it's it's definitely not their first priority. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that. So I know we'll, we'll we'll continue to look at that, and uh, Dawson is certainly on top of all this, so he's going to keep us up to date on all these other tournaments and whether they're going good or bad for what our perception would be that um, you know we we need to happen for for the Cajuns to get to that 13 seed. Yeah, when the last time the Cajuns won an NCAA tournament game, they were a 13 seed, so I'm all for that. Y'all have a nice day.